The 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews is often colloquial, colloquially, say that several times fast, uh, referred to as the Bible's Hall of Faith. Because in these verses are referenced many of the men and women who have gone before us, uh, particularly in the, uh, those who populate the pages of the Old Testament, who were looking forward to the fulfillment of the promise of the coming Savior. And as they looked forward in faith to that promise being fulfilled by God, they lived their lives in exemplary fashion. They lived lives of faith. And so you'll see over and over in here, it'll say, by faith, uh, Moses, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Isaac. There's, these people are named and honored for their faith. And then when we get towards the end of the chapter, there's this long list, and I want to start reading at verse 32. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? Verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. I want to be like that. I want to live my life flat out, passionately pursuing God in faith that triumphs over all the stuff that life throws at me. And these, these names and the people that aren't named, but their situation was described, are what's being referred to in chapter 12, verse 1, when it says this, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that's the cloud of witnesses that's being referred to there. Those who have gone before us, the great men and women of, of faith who have paved the way. Um, you know, there is kind of a superstitious way of people, I, I don't know, I think it maybe is comforting to them in some way or another, but they'll talk about how people who have gone before them, passed from this life into the next, will, they will use terminology that makes it sound as though those people are interacting with them in uh, the material world, you know. Um, the Bible doesn't say that uh, people who have gone on to be with the Lord in heaven have anything to do with us here in this plane, in this material world. They're not interacting with us. But it does say right here, in some way that I can't even begin to comprehend, that those who've gone before us are observing us. They fill the bleachers. They fill the stands. The arena is filled with those who have gone before us. We are on the playing field and they're observing what God is doing in our lives. 
Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'd like to dig into these two verses with you over the next few minutes and talk about three things in particular, three main points I'd like to, to bring out. The first of which is that we are told here to, if we're going to run this race to win it, and we're going to run it in, in, a, in the joy that God intended for us to experience as we do, it will be because we have laid aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. So let's talk about stripping down. Running to a win and enjoying the race requires that we strip down. And by that, I don't mean that we become nudists. What I mean is, what you've all seen, if you've watched any of the Olympics coverage over the last couple of weeks, and by the way, the uh, Olympics for 2016 um, closed last Sunday, so we're in, within a week of that occasion. And I don't know about you, but I love the Olympics, and I cannot sit there, obviously, and watch the hundreds and hundreds of hours of, of uh, competition that are being uh, offered by, on television and the internet and so forth. I would if I could. But I guess that's why they made DVRs. And so I have, I, I probably will be watching the Olympics until the next Olympics come around because I'll be watching that. In fact, I was watching some last night. But one thing I've noticed, as you have, if you watched any of the coverage, is that in nearly every competition, there are a few exceptions, but in nearly every competition, people come to that comp uh, competition and lay aside the garments or other things that would impede their being able to do so with excellence. They'll put off their warm-up jacket. They'll take off their, their sweats. You know, they will just have what they need. And I'm amazed at those rugby players. Are you... Holy smokes, these people. Nothing on and just beating the snot out of each other. Anyway, that's another thing. Forgive me. I, I'm not supposed to say snot in church, but I just, I just did twice. So anyway. <laughs> they lay aside the things that get in their way. Well, what are the things that, that weigh us down? I would submit to you, and I will take you to Luke chapter 21 in just a moment to... a to uh, confirm this, but I would suggest to you that the things that cause us to at times feel weighed down, and you know what I mean. There are times when I can, I, I can see it on your face. Your, your actual posture will reflect that sense of burden that you have. People that you care about, things that are going, uh, not going so well, uh, answers you don't have, or questions you don't have answers for. Um, challenges that you face, and it, and it weighs on you. We use that term, it weighs on us. Well, how are you going to run to win if you're weighed down with all of that stuff? And I would submit to you that the things that weigh us down are the cares of this life. And we all have them. We have lots of them. We, uh, you know, we got bills to pay. We, we have mouths to feed. We have, um, we have uh, assignments from our bosses that have to be done. We have deadlines we have to... Um, you know, uh, complete. We have things that press in on our lives. We all have them. 
But uh, God, I would uh, submit to you, does not intend for us to live in that weighed down state. We cannot run the race set before us effectively if we do. Luke chapter 21 verse 34 says this, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with the cares of this life. Now listen, I, God is not asking us to become irresponsible people. You know the guy who just kind of, uh, you know, skips through life and doesn't keep his responsibilities, doesn't, you know, and expects you to pick up for him, you know, that person. God doesn't want us to be like that. God is not raising irresponsible children. But a lot of the things that we carry are not ours to carry. A lot of the things that burden us down are not from God. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says this. It says, casting all your care upon him. Sounds good. Yes, I want to just unload all my care on you, Lord. And if it stopped there, that verse stopped there, it would be almost impossible Casting all your care upon him. Why would that be impossible? Because for us, those things that we care so much about, we can't imagine anyone else caring about them like we do. Nobody else is going to be caring about the assignment my boss gave me as much as I am. Nobody else is going to care about whether my kids have clean underwear like I do. He, that actually happened with me. My wife said to me one day, got in my face one day when our kids were little, she said, Randy, the kids need new underwear. It was something she cared about that I hadn't yet cared about, right? From that day forward, can I tell you, I cared about it like nobody else. <laughs> and there are things that weigh us down that are concerns to us and we can't imagine letting go of them to anybody because nobody is going to care about them like we do. But that verse doesn't stop there. Thank God. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. We can release to him the burdens and concerns of our lives because he cares for us. He cares for us. Much of the burden that you drag through life, God would love to lift from your shoulders if you would trust him with it. And that's the only way we're ever going to step into the blocks and, and run this race to win is if we lay aside the things that are weighing us down. It also says to lay aside the sin which so easily ensnares us. Um, and that the word that's translated ensnares in your English language Bible comes from a, a Greek word that is more under, would be better understood like this. If you've ever played any kind of sport where you are, where there's offense and defense, and it's hard for me to imagine any sport that where that isn't the case, but um, where you have someone who's trying to keep you from your offensive goal, getting the ball into the basket or hitting the home run or whatever it is, 
If you have a defender, if you've ever played against a defender, you know what this word is talking about. It's talking about the person who has their hands in your face, their body in your way. They're intimidating you and trying to keep you from your goal every which way they can. I used to play basketball, believe it or not. I did once a long time ago. And when I played basketball, one of the things about a defender is you, you stay right in step with that guy, the, the offensive player, and you have your hands, you have your body in their way. You're trying to keep them from the basket. This says that if we're going to run this race to win and enjoy the race, we have to lay aside, we have to lay aside the sin, our sin, that acts like a defender blocking our path. Now, surely we have uh, an enemy who is working overtime to keep us from God's will in our lives. The devil, Satan. Surely that goes without saying. However, much of the time, dear ones, we are shooting ourselves in the foot. You and I, our sin is like that defender with his, face, his hands in our face. There was a period of time when my, my financial sin, my financial mismanagement was like a defender in my face, keeping me from being able to do what God would call me to do. I had to say to the Lord one day, God, if you called me to move to some other place to serve you, I would have to say no. I don't ever want to be in a situation where I have to say no to God. But I had gotten myself, by my sinful mismanagement of my family's finances, I had gotten myself into a place where I couldn't get by that defender. Some of you know what it's like to wake up in the morning and see in, on, in Facebook or on Instagram a picture of you partying at the club the night before and know that your sin now is blocking you and your testimony of Jesus. Impeding your ability to be able to stand as a righteous testimony for God in this world. I don't really need to go on. You guys know what I'm talking about. The writer of the book of Hebrews says, if we're going to run this race to win it and enjoy it, we also, along with laying aside the cares of life that weigh us down, we need to lay aside or set aside the sin that so easily impedes our progress. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 says this, put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. I love the simplicity of this verse, or these verses. Put off the old man and put on the new I'm not suggesting that laying aside weights and sins is, you know, a snap. But it's easier than most of us think. Because we have a God who wants to lift our cares and free us from sin. The next thing I see in this passage comes in the middle of verse 12 or towards the end where it says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So not only do we need to strip down, but we need to keep going. 
You know what it's like when, you know, you just get weary and you just want to park for a little bit. You know, it's kind of like the NASCAR drivers, you know, when they pull into the pit stop and get some, or, you know, the pits, I guess, not the pit stop, but the pit, it is a pit stop, but they pull into the pits. I want to get my termina uh, terminology right. And they get some fresh tires and some gasoline and so on. Then they pull out and finish the race. I have noticed uh, a time or two when in my Christian life I've pulled into the pits for a pit stop. And we think when we are weary, and all of us know what that's like, when we're weary, we think that we've got to stop doing something. And probably rightly so. But we always choose the wrong things to stop doing. We stop going to God in prayer. We stop reading the Bible. We stop hanging out in fellowship. We stop serving Him. And those are the very things that enable us to endure, to go on. Listen to what Isaiah 40 verse 31 says. It says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When it says there, those who wait on the Lord, these things are true of them. That word wait there is not pause, step aside. It's the, the way we would use the term wait as if I was waiting on a table at a restaurant or if I was waiting on customers. If I was serving my customers, if I was serving the people at the table, if I was wrapped up or entwined myself, or myself with them and what was going on there. That's what it's referring to, that I wrap myself up, I twist myself up in God and I serve Him. When I'm weary, I wait on Him, I serve Him and that causes me to be renewed with strength, to mount up with wings like eagles, to run and not be weary, to walk and not faint. A friend of ours used to use the phrase carnal break to describe those pit stops. I won't elaborate. You don't need a carnal break. What you need is to wait on the Lord. And suddenly, choices get rearranged in the proper priority. There will likely be, when you feel weary and stressed out, the other night, um, you don't have to worry about me. I'm, I'm just fine. Um, but the other night I was praying to God and I said, God, I feel overwhelmed. Do you know what that's like? And when you have that time in your life when you feel overwhelmed, there is likely something that's, that needs to be let go of, something that needs to be stopped. But choose the right thing to set aside, not pursuing God, not waiting on Him, not being twisted up with Him and entwined with Him. Those are the things that give us strength and endurance. Keep going. You know, anybody who's ever run, I'm, I'm not a distance runner, but I've talked to a lot of people who are, and we have many right here in our church. People who run uh, marathons and such, they will tell you that there is, and it, different where it is is different for uh, each runner, but there are places where they describe what they hit as a wall. They hit the wall. And they have to press through that. It's a wall of 
pain and, and fatigue and so but when they press through that there's another gear that they enter into and keep going now for me the wall is like right after my first step but for others it's a little bit further down the down the road but when you hit that wall dear ones keep going with God you don't hear me say keep doing the same things over and over that have gotten you into that place of weariness or uh, being overwhelmed but do keep going with the things that will lead you out of it and then finally in verse 12 or verse chapter 12 verse 2 it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You know, if I were Jesus looking forward to the cross, which he knew that was coming, you know, from day one, joy would not have been what I would think he would have experienced, be experiencing. But it says that he looked forward to the crucifixion. He looked forward to uh, dealing with the shame that was going to be heaped on him by, he despised, despised the shame of the cross for joy. Well, what was his joy? What was the joy? That, you know what? His joy was you and me. He went to the cross with joy because that would mean he would spend eternity with you, Noel. He looked forward to the cross because that would mean that forever he could be with you, Randy. You were the joy that he looked forward to. He kept focused on the prize. You and me. Now here, as it describes this, we are to look unto Jesus as our joy our joyful expectation. He is the one we stay focused on. Now, <clears throat> it says here that he was the author and finisher of our faith. Picture it this way. He was the one who fired the gun that launched you on this journey and he'll be the one holding the tape at the end when you cross that finish line into his eternal embrace and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Talk about joy. Wow. So the, the joy that's set before me as I pursue God is that that imagery of one day crossing that finish line into his eternal embrace and hearing those words, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14 say this. Brethren, this is Paul the Apostle speaking. Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehend, to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't, I haven't uh, completed this. I haven't mastered this. I haven't acquired all of this yet. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and a lot of us have some stuff we just as soon forget about. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what I press toward. He said, I don't know about everything else, but this one thing I know. 
May it be, dear ones, that we stay focused. When everything wants to turn our attention away from the one who is the source of truest joy, let's snap back and realign ourselves with, the, with true north and pursue him with all of our hearts.